Mason's story began many years ago. Witnessing violence at a young age changes the way you see the world. Blackthorn City had always been a hub for crime and other misfortunate events. The buildings and houses had become a reflection of its city. Broken windows, boarded up doors, and homeless squatters were very common in Blackthorn. It rains and turns into thick fog often, but that's okay, because at least it washes the blood and grime off the streets. The people left in Blackthorn are good people. They mean well, but their wayward ways lie dormant, waiting for an opportunity for them to become desperate and greedy. When he was just five, Mason watched as his parents were gunned down at a local festival. Mason's parents took him to their town's annual fair, an afternoon of fun, laughter, and many french fries. Mason's laughter quickly turned into fear when the sound of gunfire was heard. The crowd burst into a frenzy as they ran for cover. So many people running and panicking turned the fair into a slaughterhouse. There were bodies laying by the Ferris wheel and a stream of blood flowed down the cobblestone pavement. Stepping out slowly into the puddle, Mason looked around to see if it was safe. Safe enough to stand up, that is. He might have been young, but he maintained his composure until he saw his parents. He looked over the metal trash bin that he hid inside, and as the thick cloud of gun smoke cleared, he saw his mother staring in his direction. He quickly ran over to her and kneeled down by her side. He could feel his heart beat faster than he had ever thought possible. Faintly breathing, his mother caressed Mason's cheek. A single tear rolled down her eye. Don't let go, Mason. She took her final breath as her hand went limp. Mom, Mom, wake up. Come on, Mom, wake up, Mason exclaimed. His mother was gone, but he kept trying. He looked around to find his dad while kneeled down next to his mom. He got up, and before he could walk across the short street to the other side of the park, he found his father. Mason threw up almost immediately. He couldn't control his balance anymore and dropped to his knees. His father had been shot multiple times in his stomach and in his leg. It looked like he had might have been hit by a bullet in the jaw because his jaw was detached and his teeth began falling out of the roof of his mouth. Mason's tears burned inside of his eyes and the pain became too much for him to hold in. So he let out a window-breaking groan. He soon blacked out next to his father afterwards. Mason spent years alone after the massacre at the festival. It was his birthday today. 
he was turning 16. He bumped into a teenager around his age some time ago. They became friends from the very start, really good friends. Stan let him stay at his place for as long as he needed. In a sense, Stan was the only family Mason had left. After a few months of living with Stan, Mason began to get bad migraines. They were so bad that sometimes he didn't leave the bed for days. One day he walked into the living room where Stan watched football like he typically does. The two greeted each other and continued on with their business. When Mason met Stan, they talked about Mason contributing rent, food, you know, the necessities. He was fine with it and he was more than willing to start paying some of the rent. The only issue was Mason had never had a job and he needed money soon. He thought about the idea of robbing people for quick, easy cash. In the kitchen, Mason looked out of the window and saw a man walk into his car. The warm summer rain fell from the sky. The clouds darkened and no one was outside. The perfect storm for something terrible to happen. An older guy walked out of his apartment and began walking to his car. Out came Mason, slithering from the darkness. He didn't have a gun, but that did not stop him from pretending that he did. He put his left hand in his jacket pocket and used it as a hidden gun. Running behind the man, he demanded money and the keys to the car. Fake gun shoved into the back of this man. It all seemed too easy. The man dropped his keys and Mason bent to reach them. He was quickly met with a swift knee to the temple, stunning him instantly. The man turned around to show off his scruffy beard and scar that ripped down the left side of his face. He looked down at Mason and struck him in the head again. Hours went by until Mason regained consciousness, waking up groggy in an abandoned basement. Looking around the room, he squints to cover his eyes from the bright light above. He started to stand, but was too groggy and fell back to his knees. The name's Frank. Frank Silver. And let's just skip over the Macho Man bullshit, yeah? Frank smirked. Yeah, sure, fine, but just know I'm gonna kill you, Mason replied. Frank reached into a drawer and pulled out a yellow folder. He tossed it onto the table in front of them and pointed to it as he lit a cigarette and slowly rocked around the room. Mason looked down at the folder, opened it, and started flipping through the papers. Confusion was the only thing that he felt. The pain, the rage, it all subsided quickly. Still looking through the documents, he slightly looked up at Frank. Yeah, okay. So what? Some men died a few years ago. What about it? People die every day, Mason said, confused. Frank walked over to the folder 
and pulled out a sheet with a headline and picture on it. Not like this, friend. Not like this. At this point, both Frank and Mason read and reread the headline and analyzed the picture. The headline read, 11 men presumed dead after tragic explosion. Okay, so what does this have to do with me? Before he could finish, Frank stopped him. I was the 12th man in that photo. Those were my men. And there wasn't a damn fire or explosion. Mason stood up and looked him in the eyes. Classified rescue squadron is who we were. Cold tactical killers is what we were. Our mission was to find the truth. We were hired by a powerful family. They told us that they had a friend who experimented on humans. I think this family is the one who experimented on humans. The only problem with what we were doing was that we weren't hunting people. What killed my men was not human. And I know that for a fact. I stared that son of a bitch in the eyes. It was anything but human. They were later identified as Demogorgons, demonic monsters from the depths of hell. They are tall, their body is deformed, and have big sharp claws. One swing of its arm launched me through a brick wall, a brick wall. After that, I was out cold. When I came to, huh, all of my men were just murdered. It was nothing but their blood, and some had dog tags left. Frank took a pause. Once our squad was wiped, I went solo. Someone had to find out what those demons were and how they got that way. Mason understood the feeling of being so attached to something that you become unrecognizable. We started in Michigan and our directions took us to a city somewhere north. I don't know, I, I think it was Traverse or Traverse City. Hell, I don't know, I'm from Georgia and this was years ago. Anyway, things were odd as soon as we got there. We aren't living in the end times you would expect people to be out living life. No one was in the streets. Barely saw a car on the road. It was, it was just deserted. It was probably two, three in the afternoon. We laid low until the early morning came so we could start the operation. Frank pulled another cigarette out of his vest pocket and lit it. The time finally rolled around. There were multiple locations that we needed to secure. Still, it only took us one stop to realize we were on a completely different mission. We arrived at one of the local asylums. It was abandoned and the paint was chipping off, of course. We walked up to the third floor, clearing the place room by room floor by floor, in teams of two. 
About an hour later, we determined that the building was vacant. It was old and creepy, but nothing out of the ordinary, so to speak. That's until we went back to the first floor. The door was closed and locked. We began looking around and rechecking the perimeter, but nothing, nothing prepared us for what we saw next. Something bellowed from the back room. We all went to check it out. We were tense and the air was so thick, it felt like anvils were being pressed on our chests. The sound we heard was loud. It was ungodly and not human. We had just searched the whole building, so naturally we were on edge. With me at the helm, we walked toward the room the sound came from. I walked in first and the Demogorgon quickly lunged at us, flung one of my men across the room. My men came first, so we gave it all we had used every magazine we had. We waited to see if it was dead. I walked closer as the gun smoke started to clear up. It rose from the ground and stared me in the eyes. I froze and it smacked me across the room, through the wall and out of sight. The last thing I heard before I passed out was the screams and thuds of my men being thrown around. It had to be a few hours later when I regained. After that, I lost my way, moved back to Georgia for a year or two, then moved here to Blackthorn. Mason popped out of his chair. You think I'm going to hunt demons with you? You gotta give me a better proposition than instant death, brother. He began walking toward the door. <sighs> you ever think of who killed your parents? Ever wonder who took the most precious things from you in this world? Frank slid slick. Mason was almost out of the room. He stopped and let his head drop onto the door as he looked downward. He walked away from the door and sat back down. There were no windows to show time or place, but they seemed to have been there for hours from the looks of Frank's empty cigarette packet on the table. Mason sat at the table. He stared Frank down. Moments went by before either one of them said anything. Frank looked down at his wristwatch, then proceeded to stand up. He reached for his back pocket and pulled something out. It was a folded, handwritten letter. He tossed it on the table in front of Mason and started pointing to it. Mason looked up at him while reaching out for the note. He began to read it silently. A few seconds went by before his grip tightened around the letter. He slammed the letter down. This is fake. Here you are with a note from my parents signed and dated a week ago. My parents died over 11 years ago. I saw it. I watched them die. Mason exclaimed as he pounded his fist on the table in frustration. I have answers and you look like you need some right about now. It's plain and simple. 
you help me hunt and I will tell you who killed your parents and where you can find the son of a bitch. Mason was struck with so many emotions and thoughts. Part of him still assumed Frank was lying, a ploy just to get him to follow commands. Then again, what if Frank was telling the truth? What he would do if he knew his parents' killer. Mason decided to hear out Frank's proposition. Huh. So now you understand why you're here. Let's say I'm thinking we team up, partner up, Batman and Robin. I don't care how you put it. Now the family gave me coordinates to follow. It should take us to another hot zone. Are you in or are you out? <laughs>